You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am Derek. I've got my buddy Ryan with me. Hello. Hello. And this week, we are talking about the 2013 Nicolas Cage movie, Joe, starring, of course, Nick Cage, as well as Ty Sheridan. Ty Sheridan, who you might know from uh, X-Men or Ready Player One. That's it. Yeah, those are the two things I know I'm from. That's what I know I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so they I would argue that they co-star and joe together and if you're new to the coming of cage podcast what we do is every two weeks we review a nicholas cage movie that was picked by our random spinner the wheel o cage and then we review that movie and give that movie a, a, a grade based on quality and caginess so this is episode 11 and we're covering like i said the 2013 movie joe which is where an ex-con who is the unlikeliest of role models meets a 15-year-old boy and is faced with the choice of redemption or ruin. There you go. Yeah. Um, spoiler warnings for the nine-year-old. Also, film. trigger warnings for uh, rape, uh, d- dog animal violence, uh, drinking and smoking. Substance abuse. Yeah, substance abuse. Um, mistreatment of sexual sex workers. Um general Lock, violence general violence yeah i mean there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of major trigger warnings and we'll probably discuss a lot of that on the podcast so if you if you can't handle those we definitely understand and you know we'll hope you join us for the next episode of whatever that may be <laughs> but it seems like some of these themes unfortunately run through many of his films yeah i mean it's definitely an r-rated movie there's no question about that um and yeah yeah, I, I will say on one lighthearted side of things, if there was an honest trailer for this movie, they'd have one of those super cuts of every time they said the name Joe in the movie. Yeah, it didn't bother me as much as it seems to have bothered you. <laughs> it didn't bother me. It just got a little funny in a movie that's definitely not supposed to be funny. Yeah. Everywhere he went, everyone addressed him by name and it just got a little silly after a while. But but yeah, so the movie. Uh, basically the way it starts is we've got Nick Cage and he is running a crew of people whose jobs it is to poison trees. So the trees will die. And then the lumber company will legally be able to chop down the trees. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't know was a thing until I watched this movie. Did you know that that was a thing? I knew it was a thing. I hadn't like seen the tools that they used or anything like that, but I found that fascinating. Yeah. It I mean, was, that's not really how the movie starts. Is it not? Is that not the opening? No, the opening is a conversation with uh, uh, Ty Sheridan's character and the dad sitting next to the oh, railroad. Oh, on the train tracks. I got the scenes yeah. out of order. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I do want to say, like, overall, I I didn't, I, as I try not to with a lot of these, I don't, I didn't watch the trailer or really know anything about this going into it. And I, so I kind of expected um something closer to the more like direct to video movies that we've watched with 
Nick Cage, you know, gotcha. Dying of the Light, uh, Next, uh, you mm -hmm. know, these kind of crappier movies. Um, but this movie actually wasn't, I didn't think it was bad or crappy or any, it was not like a fun movie. No. But there were a lot of, like, it was a good movie. It had a message. Um, you know, it was definitely like on the higher end of the movies we watched, I thought, I think, maybe you disagree, but um, you know, there were things that were done very well in this movie. I felt like the cinematography was really cool. Um, and there's some other things I'll talk about more as we get into it, but um, I was, I was, I can't, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised because this movie is a depressing thing, but uh, I, 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 think i'm happy that i watched this movie i won't watch it again mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i did think this was a really really good for performance especially from nick and uh you know this you haven't seen it and we haven't reviewed it yet but this a lot of this reminded me of pig in mm -hmm. the sense that yeah. uh nick and we'll get into this with the ratings but that, that nick was definitely like a subdued performance um and a really good one it really like showed off his acting chops no, I agree. I think, I think overall the movie is well acted. Um, yeah, there wasn't, I didn't, I didn't, I told my uh, significant other that I watched this with that afterwards that I didn't think there was a bad performance in the movie. No, I don't think there is. And we'll get into some, some reasons why that's especially interesting, but I mean, you know, this is a 2013 movie. So Ty was, you know, roughly the age of his character. I thought he did really well because he's got to hold up like half this movie. Yeah, uh, it's really almost like two leading roles in a way. Um, and I thought, I mean, he was really powerful in this, too. Yeah. And at the time this movie came. Yeah, he was really good. And actually, I, I, I this might have been the first movie, his earliest movie that I've seen. I don't remember when the first of his X-Men movies came out, but um he was really good but i think you but know this thing in nick cage podcast yeah it, it this was a time period when he wasn't really doing anything to push his boundaries or anything like that he probably did 12 movies this year that year or something like that ridiculous and this one was i'm assuming we haven't seen every movie they've watched or they did in that year, but I'm assuming that none of those movies will hold a candle to his performance in this one. So this was, it's kind of surprising to find something like this in that sea of like direct to video movies and stuff he did, you know, that was less important, I think. So to be fair, he only did two other movies in 2013 and one of them was the Crudes, which is just a voice acting role. So he fair took enough. this really seriously. He turned down two other movies, the Expendables three and the killing season to focus on Joe. Wow. So he took this one really seriously and he's been quoted saying that this, that this is like a naked performance for him, that this is as close to being Nick cage as he's really been in a role, at least at the time. Yeah. Um, that may have changed by now, but yeah. Like pig is probably up there for him. If not, maybe, you know, nudging ahead of this one. I haven't seen it yet. Of course, like, like you said, but you know, he took this movie very seriously. And it shows. I mean, it's a wonderful yeah. performance. And this is was only Ty's third production. Gotcha. Um, a full three years before X Men. So. Yeah. Well, to get back into it, I don't. I yeah, I, I just wanted to give. Sometimes we do like some overall thoughts first, so I thought I'd get into that. But um, yeah, we get. Uh, I my first note is that he has a weird. It was a kind of a weird opening scene with two characters we don't know at the time or have it. It's not very. 
I didn't think it was a very significant opening scene because we don't know either of these two characters. So there's no stakes in whatever we're seeing. But it was kind of like a, a lot of this movie felt very grounded in terms of, you know, the way it was shot. You did feel like you were a part of the experience. At least I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it was a weird way to open the movie. And you don't really like so basically the dad, Ty Sheridan and his dad are sitting next to some railroad tracks um they're having a pretty rough conversation and and the dad hits ty sheridan if i remember right and then mm-hmm. starts walking away yeah um and he's drunk mm-hmm. as he is through most of this movie i'm definitely an alcoholic and um goes up this hill and then gets the crap beat out of him by a couple of guys which is what the conversation references so supposedly he did something that screwed over some guys supposedly those guys but we never learn really what. Yeah, it we don't. Was. There's no. We don't learn anything about it, which is a running theme too, because that there's an, an an incident between Nick Cage and another character, and we never learn really what uh, Willie. We never really learn what happened there either. Yeah, and so I thought that was an interesting commonality between those two. It's like it's like Nick. So Nick Cage's character is Joe. Ty's character is Gary. So Joe and Gary are almost on like these parallel paths in a way that I thought was yeah. really odd, but yeah, the movie just kind of just cold opens like that. And it was a slightly different experience for me because I read the description on Amazon video and it mentions an abusive father. So when the movie opened, I just assumed that that's what that was going into it. It's like, okay, we're just going to start with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that Gary's like trying to explain to his dad that like, he's really screwed up this time and these guys are going to, you know, kick his ass and everything and then they do yeah and but we don't really ever see the consequences of that no we do not um uh i i have on here kid needs a haircut because uh gary's hair is like crazy but it to be fair it's this is not like a a a well-off nobody in this movie is extremely well off except maybe nick cage's character uh there we get some like context clues throughout the movie that you know, he's not really context clues. You don't have to really read much into it. He's basically paying a group of guys mm-hmm. to do this work. Um, it's seemingly and, he's the one paying them in cash. So, yeah. um, you know. And he's paying well, too. Like, if there's a rain out, they got, the guys get paid for the full day. Um, you know, he opens his uh, house up to Connie and he, you know, just brings in Gary and his dad and is paying people. He buys them a bunch of food and then he gets that truck later on like he's he seemingly is the most comfortable yeah but his living situation is not like super extravagant although of all the people we see in the film it's probably the best um i mean he's really the only person portrayed as living alone in a in an actual like house right right um nobody else is really portrayed that way they're either like you know gary's family is living in a condemned house they say where this is taking place not that I saw, but okay. it, it seems like one of those towns, you know, that really in the middle of nowhere where like you kind of have like the, 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 uh, the wheat silo, right. And a hundred or so people live around that farm. It's yeah. Kind of like what small town like. America type Midwest. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Nick's beard was glorious as we get, we get our first look after that opening scene, we get like our first look at Nick Cage's character in his truck and, uh, you get to see his beard and it's, it's wonderful. As I said last week, I like bearded Nick Cage. I think he looks yeah. good. 
it's his really best do. yeah it's his best look i agree um <laughs> although con air you know wow how do you beat that <laughs> uh, the fourth note i have on here is heavy emphasis on smoking and yes. that is i i want to say that there's some symbolism in that but if there is i can't figure out what it is but so many people in this movie smoke and this being you know a 2013 movie smoking is not nearly as popular uh no in 2013 as it was you know in 1990 i think it was supposed to continuously show this that more or less all of the major characters and even most of the side characters aside from the guys who are doing the physical labor um of the tree killing aside from them everybody else has severe substance abuse issues of one kind or another and i think smoking is another substance abuse issue right people are smoking like constantly i mean you know nick's trying to like light this thing in the rain you know it's pouring down and he's trying to have a smoke right and you know i think it's just another example of these people aren't they're not happy people with their lives they're not happy with their lives the way they are and they're looking for any way to feel something either numb or positive that's probably a better take on it than i had i, I felt like it was more to show like that this town is like behind the times and this is you know normal in this town and you know that's just you know they're 20 years behind everybody else uh, but yeah years your take is, is better on that so i would say we go with that one i think it uh, works both ways though i think you can do both because this is a very hard-working blue-collar type of town right there's no corporate people here there are no desk job yeah, people here right and you know, even like the convenience store which is like the pseudo grocery store is like just kind of a disaster inside like everything's really run down nobody's really keeping like that store gives me so much anxiety every time they're in it like i i could not function in a place like that you know it looks like there's no prices anywhere stuff is just randomly shoved into every place like the the owner is like trying to talk to you about stuff the whole time like i would be i i don't know it would be a problem for me well i could i mean that I'm, I'm a, I'm an, a city urban type person. Right. And so I joke that like Kansas city is as small a town as I ever want to live in. So like a town like that, and I've been to towns like that back when I was a consultant and like being out in the middle of nowhere, like that stresses me out. I can't, yeah. I can't be that detached from the rest of society, but all that other stuff, everything's run down, right? Yeah. There's no upkeep on everything, on anything. Really, everything is run down. The nicest thing we see in the entire movie is the new truck that Joe buys, like, you know, in the third act or whatever. Right. Which isn't even that really that nice a truck. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to, this might be a good point in time to, to bring this up. I do think that it, it was really weird for me because the first half of the, this movie goes off the rails. Yes. Very quickly at a certain point in the movie. Um, but like the first part of this movie before that happens I actually felt like the movie was pretty charming. Like I've been around a lot of my life. I've been around people like these small town folks and uh, you know, places where things, this is how things are not, maybe not exactly like that, but I've definitely been around those kind of environments before through a lot of my younger years. And I thought they did a really good job of kind of capturing even like Joe, I've met people that are similar to that. You know, that everybody knows in these small towns. Um, I, so I found the, the beginning of this movie to be really charming. I think the way it was shot was really impressive. Um, 
the way that they use the camera to kind of make you feel like you're a part of what's happening like you know when they're filming we haven't really gotten into like the whole tree killing thing that much but when they're filming those scenes it's filmed like you're walking with these guys almost and like you're a part of this um i don't know i yeah it's shot in a very personal way it was a very it was very disarming for me anyway maybe it's different for you but the way everything felt it was very disarming which made the second half of the movie that much more uh affecting jarring <laughs> jarring yeah whatever the term may be but um i at that point i didn't know really you probably didn't even know what the movie was going to be and it it went to a totally different direction than i expected but um yeah, yeah i thought this first half of the movie the second half of the movie was very well shot the cinematography was great throughout the whole movie too it's just i it, it stood out to me in the beginning that you know a lot of these movies we talk about you know nick cage's acting and things like that but the but the way that the shooting was almost it's very rare that i feel like you're just it's shot to make you feel like you're a part of what's happening rather than just viewing what's happening and this movie did a really good job of that and i i don't know that i've seen much else from this director but i'm going to pay attention more in the future when i see that name because i think that he did a really really good job with this movie so this is uh, David Gordon Green, and most people probably know his production work. Like he's produced the last couple Halloween movies, uh, for example. The new Hellraiser TV series is another thing that he's produced. So people have seen his stuff um, from a directing standpoint. He did direct Halloween Ends. That's probably his most recent thing um, that people may have seen. He's directed some of Mythic Quest, um, China's Eastbound and Down. So not like a massive collection. Yeah, he doesn't do a lot uh, oh, of like big Hollywood movies. Pineapple Express. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Pineapple Express. There I do enjoy go. that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a very long time, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, he's done a few things. I'm sorry, but, I kind of went off the rails yeah. you know, talking about that, but if you, yeah, I don't know if you felt the same way about a lot of that stuff. No, I, I like the way like 90% of it was shot. There was a little bit of shaky cam and I, I just personally don't like shaky cam ever. It's just yeah. a personal thing, but the rest of it was really, really nice. And I agree, like in the first parts of this movie, the first, at least the first act, if not most of the second act, I really thought this was going in an extremely different direction than it ended up in. You know, yeah. I thought this was going to end up being one of those kind of heartwarming stories where, you know, Joe and Gary and his sister all kind of, you know, end up in this better life together kind of thing. And boy, was I wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Everything gets worse for him throughout the whole movie. For ever, everybody. But I, see, I think Leaving Las Vegas had some similarities. But like um, we know so early on that like his whole goal is to die. We do, but then, you know, you don't really think that it's going to end that way. You know, you think there's going to be a redemption or something, um, but instead it's just super depressing. <laughs> yeah, it was that. That's fair. Um, I have my, as my next note, his dog is cute. Oh, yeah. yeah and man. unfortunately in this part of the movie, you know, I, I didn't expect that to go the way it did either. Um, yeah. So like throughout the movie, it's so like, he's got this dog that's and then the um the brothel i guess for lack of a better word no that's the word i use they have a so. dog and that dog and joe don't get along and they bit him once bit i him guess once. yeah and he's yeah he's so he's very it's a aggressive big german shepherd mm -hmm. yeah and you know like 
I don't know what happened. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll let's yeah. come back. We'll come. Yeah. Uh, cue shirtless scene. We get the that early on the shirtless the oh, you have to get it in every Nick Cage movie the shirtless scene of Nick Cage. It doesn't matter whether he's playing like a seventy five year old guy that's that has like a mental condition that's getting worse and worse or like uh, you know a hot bodied guy in a bread factory uh but you're either way you're gonna get a shirtless scene of nick cage that's right was this after he got shot or was there one before that no this was early on this was before that he's like in his in his uh i I thought it was like a double wide but i guess it is a house he has a house yeah yeah and he's like just kind of wandering around in the house probably drinking because that's basically what everybody in this movie does man there is so much drinking and drinking and driving not drinking and then driving drinking while driving yeah and being blatant about it like not even trying to hide or like be cute about it no not even a little bit and you know part of me you know says good on you guys you're not you know you're 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 not trying to hide it it's just part of what's happening in the small town but i hate that (laughs) drunk driving is not something that i find to be a good storytelling device or really anything so no no. and later we get to see the 15 year old gary driving without the encouragement and drinking at the encouragement (laughs) of nick cage's character yeah it's all just a mess (laughs) ghostbuster is my next scene because of course those guys Uh so when they're going and chopping down and killing these, or not chopping down, but killing these trees, they basically wear a giant backpack filled with poison that they have like a little pump on the side that they pump up. And then they have a very dull looking ax that has poison that shoots out of it into the tree when they they strike the tree with it. Um, And at one point, one of the workers calls one of them a ghostbuster. So I thought that was funny because I have you know we both have connections to ghostbusters so we do but i felt like the way that backpack works with that with the axe and everything like i I know nothing about this industry but that can't possibly be the best way to do that right like (laughs) i mean as somebody who has family that lives way out in the country they have uh sprayers like that that they use for weeds and stuff like that uh but like the axe that they they shoot so much poison all over how else are you supposed to get it into the tree I, I don't know like a stake or something that it shoots through like it just well, you should invent that because if it was better i feel like somebody in the past 200 years of this going on well more, okay i mean 200 years ago that. you know the tech would have been different but like i'm just saying that they, they just seem to waste a lot of the poison and i don't want to help them because i don't want them to just be killing trees to well the law but... that's not a i mean in the end we see that that it's to clear room for other trees so it's more cyclical but we'll get into that because that has some kind of symbols symbolism and things like that with it and then we get this random scene of these of these workers finding a a venomous snake yes and i think it was everybody's scared of it Mm -hmm. and nick cage's character just goes up and uses his foot to like pinch the head and then grabs it which is uh, the proper way to grab a snake. I mean, if you don't have any tools and you need to move a snake, you know, that that is the right way to do it. But it is a little weird that they're, they're at this point, they're still like establishing Joe as a character. Right. I don't really know what that gave us. I guess maybe that he's not scared of things that could kill him. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it had more to do with his his kind of his toughness right his tenacity as well as the fact that he's you know he cares about 
other living things at this point in the movie, right? Because he doesn't kill the snake. He throws the snake to the side and says, that's my, that's my friend. Don't, don't, you know, mess with my friend kind of thing. So like it comes off as him, it's, to me, it felt like the movie trying to position him in a positive light as our, you know, protagonist. Yeah, which, you know, basically everything that's done as a character building moment in the beginning is undone yeah. in an almost opposite way in the end. So yeah. it's, it's a little weird going back and talking about this, but. Uh, but that is the scene where Gary and Joe are introduced to each other. Right. Gary right. sees Joe with the snake and wants to come see it. And then uh, after that whole thing, asks him for work. Mm hmm and joe puts him to work and uh that was kind of like the beginning of their relationship yeah joe joe has no problem knowingly hiring a 15 year old to and giving him a machete and like letting him play with it did that bother you the whole thing bothers me man there's so many you things can work at 15 legally like let's, not let's, that let's kind of job straight. not like that you can't I... there is no legal way that you are using an axe with poison at the age of 15 in the united states i mean that's states. true that's like, true that's but just... he also just like gives the kid a giant sharp machete that's like almost yeah. half the kid's height and just the kid is actively like smiling and jumping around and chopping like mm -hmm. grass they're all just like fucking around and yeah. like look man in the in the u.s you can't even be a server at a restaurant at 15 yeah that's true you can basically yeah. do like stocking uh, yeah in a grocery store at 15 and like when i it. when i was 15 i was working at a donut shop at 15 that's what i was doing which one give them a plug uh, they don't exist anymore. Oh, Penguin, Penguins donuts, they're gone. <laughs> wow, didn't survive. They didn't it was it. you. You were making the difference, and as I, soon as I, you I, left, I they went downhill. It's true. It's true. <laughs> My next note is brothel because randomly in this town, there's a a brothel that's operating that I'm assuming the police know about. And because everybody knows everybody in this town, there's only like a hundred people in the town. Of course, they, they, there's no way for them not to know. Yeah, uh, and it's. I don't think Nick Cage ever actually has sex at this brothel. He gets a blowjob once, but like well, he shows up there several times. Yeah, well, yeah, that was a weird scene. But uh, he it's shows up there several times, and every time it's interrupt, something is interrupting it. Yeah, and he just walks, storms out. But they all after know giving him. him the money every time, he gives him money every time, regardless. Yeah, and that that's again like right, like to show that he's probably better off than everybody else, and right? he doesn't mind sharing that with people. Like he's not, he, all of his problems aside throughout this movie, he doesn't really have any like conceited, um, like egotism from like that standpoint. He just kind of wants to help the community from that standpoint. So yeah, right. it, it's, it's seemingly he goes there on a very regular basis. And in this particular case, he goes in and talks to the madam basically right away and wants to actually, I don't know. It's calling her a madam, a thing. Like it's a weird brothel. But She's in the, charge. The woman that would be in charge of the brothel, which yeah. I think is usually called a madam. Uh, he wants her. Yeah, Merle is is yeah. her name. Yeah. And then the dog ruins that, I think. And then the the dog ruins it several times throughout this movie. The dog is the biggest cock block for him. Big time. And yeah, he's he. That's probably what part of why the dog has the thing that happens to him later. But. Um, then he goes to this other place. He's basically running errands around town that <laughs> yeah. don't really do anything. Like nothing ever happens. He doesn't have sex at the brothel. Then he goes to this other place where they're chopping up a deer inside. I think that's just somebody's some house. Yeah, they were in somebody's house when yeah. where they're like field field dressing a deer. 
in like the inside the, of the, the house. <laughs> yeah, or, or the living room because it's a very small house. Yeah, that was unclear. I thought it was the kitchen, but but yeah. he doesn't really do anything there. He he like he shows, shows him how them to how cut to... the back off. Right, but like, is that why he went there? Because he leaves right after he does that. No. I thought he had something to say to the blind guy. I'm drawing a blank on his name, um, but he didn't actually say no, anything. No, to it him. never happens. That's right. There were a lot of scenes in this movie. If I had like one really big complaint, it would be that there was a lot of scenes that just had no point, uh, or or maybe I'm just too stupid to understand the point. No, and this think... scene was one of them. Like it was just to establish the character, I think. But you still have the character still has to have a reason to be there instead of just right. showing up and leaving for the sake of making his character. You know what I mean? I think I think you're right. I think the point of the scene was to help paint the picture of this town and the people who live there and his connections to them, right? Because he walks in, everybody knows who he is. Yeah. Everybody immediately They're respects joking him. with him. Yeah. yeah. He's got this kind of point of a, of authority in a way. Not that like he's in charge, but people, you know, give him room. They trust him, right? They give him the lead on things. And then, you know, when he comes out and he has, has the altercation with Billy, that's very confusing to all of us viewers at the time. The, they come out with their guns out and stuff, you know, to, to back him up and everything. So I think that's the point, but we never really get the why did he go in the first place. Right. And maybe that's reading like, or like, I don't know, maybe that's too much of a nitpick, but it was just very glaringly obvious that we have no idea why he's there. In any case, yeah, he goes outside. And a guy, I don't think, had we been introduced to the villain, the vil, quote the unquote villain. villain at this point? Because um, I mean, really, we don't. Yeah. Yeah. So we, because we've already had the scene with Gary and his dad and Willie on the bridge, right? Oh, yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's how we're introduced to Willie. Gary beats the shit out of uh, this guy. He does because he makes a comment about Gary's sister. Oh, no. That's after this because he's throwing the gun away. Oh, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. So, so, they, so yeah. I don't think so this, is really... our, this is our introduction to Willie then. Yeah. And so I watched this, uh, I watched this uh, two nights ago and I can't keep the same. <laughs> I watched it last night. So I'm, I'm a little fresher, but uh, yeah, he, he goes outside of this place where they're chopping out where they're field dressing this deer and immediately gets like blasted in the shoulder with a, a gun. He gets shot mm-hmm. um, from a guy in a car and then the car drives away and he pulls out a gun and starts shooting at the car. But then he like needs to light up a cigarette before he does anything else. It's just, yep. just this weird emphasis on cigarettes throughout this movie. Um, and then it's like this weird detachment from like giving a shit. Yeah. Like he doesn't care if he dies as long as he gets that cigarette uh, or the fact that he just got shot. Like this dude just shot him and he doesn't, he doesn't really seem all that put out No, by being shot. Like it's an inconvenience that he was shot, right. you know, and that's about as far as it goes. And the other guys in the house come out and they're like looking around, but they don't do no anything, one does anything really. Yeah. Um, and then we get this. This is another one of the scenes that I don't understand what the point of it was where the villain is just like driving. It's just like a driving shot of him. Mm-hmm. And he like says something. Well, he was cleaning off the, the rifle. He wanted, you know, cleaning his fingerprints off the rifle. Right. But th- he's just going to throw the rifle off the bridge. Anyway, we see it in the next scene. Yep. But there's, it's a, it's a long, it's, I should I say it's long, but it was probably like 45 seconds to a minute of him just driving and like muttering something under his breath. 
and nothing really happens. I kept expecting him to like look in his rearview mirror and oh, there's Nick Cage, you know, like right behind him. Like that's what I, I was kept waiting for. Expecting him to like chuck the gun out the window while he was driving. Sure, that would have worked too. But none of that happens. It's just a really weird shot that has no significance to anything else in the movie except like show us the face of this guy, I guess. And then that's when he gets to the bridge. He throws the gun off the bridge, and Gary runs up to him and asks him if he could get a ride for him and his dad because his dad is just blackout drunk again yes uh and the guy offers to give him a ride and then they get into a fight and uh yeah it's a whole thing he gets the shit beat out of him gary uh, kicks his ass yeah um and yeah so he has this vendetta against uh I guess Gary throughout the rest of the movie. So Jerry, Joe and Gary are both on this guy's radar now. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get this really another weird ass scene of like, I think it was Gary and his dad of like break dancing. That was before this. So that was because oh, I wrote this in order. That was that's what happens before Gary goes to the bridge. Oh, that's okay. So yeah. So yeah. That yeah because his dad is drunk on the ground and gary's trying to get him up and his dad jumps ahead because he's just completely wasted right and he makes a joke about you know teaching him how to break dance because you know parts of break dancing you're on the ground um but it's it's this really awkward uncomfortable scene because there's there's moments of levity but there's still this drunk abusive father who's not providing for his family. They're living in a, in a, a, an abandoned home, a, a condemned home. They have no food. They're eating out of the trash, but here he is like break dancing drunk and using yeah. a vodka bottle as a pillow and break dancing. Like that, that's not really the weird part. I think the part that made it weird for me was the fact that we haven't really talked about like the dad, the dad is like, he looks to be like 70 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably because of the alcoholism because I don't think he's actually supposed to be that old but he has like long stringy white hair that's he's like balding and looks looks like a much older man than he probably was in the, in the movie um, but I mean he was only 53 the actor yeah right the actor was only 53 but he looked much older yeah um, and so that seeing someone that looks that old like talking about breakdancing which was popular in like the 80s and 90s um you know that was a little weird but it is what it is and it was kind of a funny scene in the middle of this whole horrific thing well so I, this is i guess as good a time as any to mention it so what's interesting about that character um is so he is played by gary poulter this is the only movie that man ever did because he was actually a homeless man um who david gordon green the director cast because he was a local guy and he was not in good health. He died two months after filming completed. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why he looked so much older because he just was in really poor health. Yeah. Um, I would so. imagine that, you know, he had a pretty rough life. RIP. He did great in this movie, despite, you know, the crappy, the character being a piece of shit. Yeah. That he made that believable. So good good on him and r.i.p um so so yes that all happens before the bridge scene uh then we get to the bridge scene and we've talked a little bit about it but my next note is but does this guy give a fuck 
because this villain guy says like three times on this bridge that he got in a car crash at 70 miles an hour and he doesn't give he went through a windshield and he doesn't give a fuck and he says like this it quotes like the exact line Mm -hmm. at least two or three times on this bridge Mm -hmm. so my note was making fun of that but does this guy give a fuck because clearly he doesn't give a fuck because he tells us he doesn't give a fuck like a hundred times and he brings that up again a few more times in the movie Mm -hmm. um and then after that we go back to nick cage's house where a bunch of much much younger women if not a bunch two Two. much much younger women (laughs) show up at his house yeah and like yeah i I still don't know why the other girl was there because I she didn't really a, do anything i assumed it was a friend right but she didn't do i do or add anything to the scene uh it would have been the same whether she was there or not but in any case the one of the girls it's implied that she knows him i'm guessing through the brothel but um and she needs to live with him because she's got some stuff going on or something like that and so she acts as kind of like it's a a problem with so her mom is dating this guy who it's it's heavily implied is abusive uh to uh her name's connie and her mom's kicked him out a few times and he's back again and he's promised again that he won't touch her and obviously we can't believe this guy because he's scum so connie is trying to protect herself and she trusts joe right like again you know joe is the good guy in this town he's you know the the person everyone can rely on in this town yeah whatever reason and uh she says that she will live that asks if she can live with him and she says that she'll take care of him and she sees that he's been shot and and uh it's implied that she's like gonna sleep with him and you know act as kind of like a surrogate girlfriend uh yeah it's unclear if they ever actually have any real physical intimacy i mean it's it's definitely implied that they have had physical intimacy if they're not at this time like they're cuddling and being very very like close yeah and they're acting like a couple you know like like there's no there's no they can go out and dress up right i just felt it was interesting that a movie where there's an actual brothel has no sex scene these two have no sex scene yeah i just thought that was interesting and i think the same night the kid gary shows up like in the rain at joe's house and you know i have in my notes how did this kid find joe but i guess being such a small town it's probably not that crazy that the kid would find joe although they had never met before up to this point so you know the kid can't be that that connected to anything in the town no but i I can't imagine that it's hard like he's already worked for joe he's been paid by joe right he knows what the truck looks like it's yeah how many streets are there to look up and down too you know i i don't have a problem buying that no i don't either it just seemed weird that like he just was able to just show up at this house um in any case um so this one maybe you'll have more input on it i didn't really understand it maybe again maybe it's because i'm stupid but (laughs) there's two scenes of gary getting paid by joe for the the work that he's doing and each time he's opening money in a cemetery yeah any thoughts on that i feel like there's got to be some significance or, or, or symbolism to something to that and I, I i couldn't figure it out maybe there is my my only takeaway was that he was 
he was hiding money there is my only thought but we never really That's see true. him do it he could have been yeah he definitely was hiding money we find out later in the movie so i feel um, like that would be where you would do it because nobody it's, it's an overgrown cemetery that no one's taking care of the headstones all look really old like this is probably like a civil war era type thing right so no that's my, a good good thought i hadn't thought about that that so. was the assumption because he always counts the money in the cemetery right so I, that's, that's true that's just what i assumed but they never actually show it right no that's a good assumption i mean they don't have to show everything uh but i feel like there had to be some i felt like there had to be some significance to that because they make a point of showing that they show him get paid and then they have a separate scene of him opening this money in the cemetery so i feel like there had to be something there that makes as much sense as anything else. I probably was looking for something even deeper than that, but I don't know what it would be. So no, I, I think it was just an out of the way thing that his dad was never going to bother going to because there's nothing there, right? There's not right. going to be food. There's not going to be money or anything. Well, his dad I, might be going to the cemetery soon. Oh, uh, wow. Well. But yeah. I, and I, I do think that like, you're right. They don't have to show everything, but it wouldn't have hurt to like one time have him like move a rock or something. Yeah, or show its hand. Under, you know, yeah, slid exactly. Under something. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to do it every time, you know. So kind of throughout this movie, uh, the workers that Joe uses uh, to, to come and, and kill these trees, he's shown that he has this old pickup, like a 70. I, I learned to drive on a truck almost identical to this. Oh, that's cool. Except the one I gr- learned on was green. But um, it was like an old 70s, mid-70s GMC pickup. Um, and he has guys crammed into the back and in the front seat with him. Um, and so they're always giving him a ribbing about when he's going to get this new truck, when he's going to get this new truck. Well, they do this in front of the kid and the kid says, come on, Joe, I'll buy your truck. And uh, Joe is really quick to agree to this after being like against it the whole movie. When the kid wants the truck, he's like instantly ready to sell the truck. And he says $900, which in today's market, I, I was like, I would buy that truck three times over. Uh, well, you'd be no able issue. to keep it running. I don't think I would. That's fair. But I mean, you it's know. not hard to keep a truck like that running. Those old trucks will run through anything, basically. But but I think it's really important that that Joe's on board with this because I get it's it's another example of Joe doesn't really care about himself at all. That's why right. his house is a mess, right? And why the truck is a piece of junk or he hasn't kept it up anyway, right? Like, cause he doesn't care about himself. He's gonna drink and smoke and whatever. But this kid, he wants to help this kid. He wants to help other people, right? right? He likes helping others. He just doesn't care about himself. So he'll give jobs to people who need it. He won't be asking a lot of questions cause he's just trying to give hard workers a chance. He's gonna leave money at the brothel whether or not things happen because you know they need it. Like this kid needs the truck, all right, fine. I'm not going to do it for me. I'll do it for the kid. Right. Um, so my next note, I don't remember what this is around the time, by the way, uh, that the whole movie starts to, to take a turn pivot spiral. <laughs> uh, my next note says alcoholic foreshadowing. I don't really remember what that was about. I mean, he drinks a lot in yeah. the movie. Uh, maybe well, I think a- this is maybe it was the kid. So after he gets the new truck, they do go out driving and they do have beers in that truck together. Several beers. I mean, Gary gets drunk, you know, in, in that collection of scenes. Um, so that, that's ways after this though. So, is, I don't yeah, know. so I'm not sure. But there's, a, there's a lot of alcohol abuse throughout. Yes. The movie. By almost every character. Pretty much. Um, my next, 
one is uh, WTF African dog and kid story. And I don't remember what that was either. I think he was at a bar and yes. like the waitress or somebody that or the, the bartender or somebody at the bar was telling a story about some African dogs and a kid. No, no, no. Uh, he was telling the story. Was he? Yeah. I don't even remember what the story was. It was just so, a very out of place story. I think this was a true story because it sounded really familiar, but basically a, a kid at the zoo, he was like a three or five year old fell into a painted dog exhibit. Uh, painted dogs are a specific breed of, of wild dog in Africa. Uh, I think it's Africa. That might be wrong, but um, the kid falls into this pen and hits his head and the dogs kill the kid. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's based on a true story. It sounded very familiar. Well, it's like and, a reverse Rambe story, basically. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Um, and so, but this is, this is when Willie comes in. Right. Yeah. And talks to him. Right, it's just a really buddies. weird story. Like yeah. to bring up that doesn't have any significance to the rest of the story, I guess, other than dogs killing something. I think but, it's just, it starts to show the mental instability of Joe. Yeah. That he's starting to go downhill. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what that's supposed to be showing flashes of because like things just go off the rails from that story forward. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and Willie shows up and like tries to make a deal with Joe to like what this water under the bridge and Joe beats the shit out of him. Well, doesn't really beat the shit out of him, punches him a couple times and then leaves. Well, he, slams, he's clearly he drunk. slams his head on the bar. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he and does then, some damage. And then he says, you know, call the cops before someone gets killed. And his he, his his voice is shaking. He's kind of shaking. Like, he's got some kind of, like, PTSD here because he did spend some time in prison for assaulting a police officer. And we get bits and pieces of that story in the movie about how the guy was, you know, it was a group of police officers and one of them was reaching for his gun and they had talked about shooting him and he didn't want to get shot, obviously. Um, and the cop ended up shooting himself in the, in knee. the kneecap. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he was thrown in jail for like two ish years for assaulting a police officer. Um, and, you know, I don't know what Joe was like before that incident happened, but we, we get to see what he's like after that. And he right. is a mess. Yeah, and he definitely has an attitude towards most cops. Uh, Pretty much everybody but the sheriff. Yeah. Um, Because apparently they knew each other back before all of that happened. Right. So. So uh, he goes drunk driving, of course. Just another add that to the list. Um, And then he goes to the brothel. Mm -hmm. And is this where he gets the blowjob or is that later? No, that's that's later. Okay, so at this point he goes and talks to the madam. Well, again, it's I actually think, it's right? at the same time. No, because he leaves to go get his dog and then yeah, comes back. Right. So and so at this point when he I can't even remember what he was doing in the brothel at this point, but he goes in there and there's like it shows two people having sex. So I guess there is a sex scene um, well, there's like a, in the yeah, background when he's walking across, but then outside of the room there's just a guy in like blue light doing curls. Yeah, for man. Whatever reason. You gotta stay toned for for the hookers. I I mean, well, I, maybe or maybe he he's himself. Maybe he's a, a gigolo. A yeah, yeah. A gigolo. So I mean, I don't know, but it was just ridiculous, in my opinion, to have that guy there. I don't really know what purpose it served, but it was funny. So, so but, but that scene is after he comes back with his dog. No, it isn't. That's the first time he goes, and then the dog interrupts something again. And he goes back and gets the dog because I have the next note is dog violence. So, and now, and I always write these notes in the order of things that happen in the movie. 
Mm-hmm. He goes, something happens with the German shepherd that he does not like. Yeah. I feel like it interrupts him again from whatever he's getting ready to do. And he's already off the rails because of this thing with Willie. And so he goes back to his house, gets his dog, and then heads to the brothel again and opens the door and lets his dog go in and murder this other dog. Uh, we don't see it happen, but you do see the dead body of the dog and his dog like wagging its tail and covered in blood um afterwards and we find out that his dog has killed several dogs yes and his dog runs or he okay so this right after this uh he runs into some cops yeah he gets arrested starts some shit and gets arrested and he lets his dog loose Mm -hmm. when this is happening which is not the direction i thought it was going to happen i thought the dog was going to go try and protect him and get shot but instead the dog runs away i think goodness like for a that. john wick kind of thing <laughs> well it, like i don't think it would have ended quite the same way as john wick john wick i thought it was just they were just gonna fucking murder the dog because cops are that's a pretty common story in america that cops kill dogs yeah um the only difference is this one would probably have been attacking them but um so then yeah he gets arrested and the sheriff comes in and talks to him and of course gives him a cigarette while he's inside in the jail in 2013 um and lets him free and he decides he's going to go look for his dog well because the sheriff calls joe's bondsman bonds person what have you and basically helps bail joe out for not just drunk driving but a, a, a resisting arrest and like threatening police yeah and then he gets off scot-free sheriff's like all right joe see you later <laughs> like what the Yes. So then Joe talk about enabling. Like everybody is just in an I think that's part of it too. It's all substance abuse and enabling. Yeah. And there's no one to really break these cycles for people. No. The sheriff would be the one person to do it because he seems like the only person in town who's like that's pretty rational. You know, well, he doesn't seem to be like we never really see him drinking. Uh, he makes a comment about how he quit smoking three weeks ago. So he's like trying to be better. Right. He's he's the only one trying to break a cycle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, then he goes out and tries to find his dog. And at one point, he uh, describes the dog's breed. And I'm, I'm not going to go into it because he well, he says the dog is an American bulldog. Uh, the dog, in my opinion, does not look like an American bulldog. It looks like another breed that I'm not going to name because I don't want to give more attention to you know the stigma of this breed but i thought that was really cool in the movie that they weren't like oh we could just use this breed because it has bad reputation anyway and it would make people more scared but they didn't do that no um so i thought that was really cool american bulldogs don't really have that kind of reputation so that's anyway i did like when when he described the dog as looking like a cow yeah that was was funny funny. (laughs) and the lady was like the dog looks like a cow he's like yeah lots of dogs look like cows well because joe and gary are wasted driving around town trying to find this dog and it's been established at this point that gary and the dog get along which apparently the dog doesn't really get along right with other people but he gets Mm -hmm. along with gary so um yeah underage drinking and driving is my next note which ties into what we were just talking about and then I had my next one is casual racism. So I feel like Joe says something offhand. It's not like 
you know, the N-word or something like that. It's against some other race that's not as commonly, I don't even remember what it was. I didn't write it down because I didn't want that in my notebook, whatever it was, but. I don't recall. He says something that was like, I, th- I think a stereotype of a particular race. Um, but I, I thought it was, it, they, they don't acknowledge it or do anything. It just says it and moves on. So, because mm-hmm. it's just him and the kid, I think. Um, and then they go to a boat graveyard which exists that there were so there were more boats there than there are people in that and they it wasn't like a like if you've ever been to a car junkyard yeah it's like pieces of cars you know a front end of a car missing a windshield like pieces and bits of everything these boats all looked like they were in pretty good shape so part of me wonders if this was a lake that like dried up and had all these boats in it or something like that but it's very weird it's all these boats look like they're in really good shape but they're all just kind of in the middle of a field yeah it was weird um but yeah that's where him and the kid kind of bond a little bit more and then somebody says something about the opera and i instantly yeah. looked at my significant other who watched moonstruck with us on the last episode and we were like was that a moonstruck reference <laughs> and you know what maybe it wasn't it's just it's like a such a random thing in a movie that's like funny. this i feel like it has to be i didn't think about that but yeah because um joe gives gary his lighter and it's a it's a it's a nice lighter right and right. this is how you get the ladies or this yeah. is what turns the ladies on or something he says something about that. exactly he's like oh, I'll, I'll use it at the opera and yeah. then immediately joe goes to light a cigarette he's like i don't have my lighter yeah <laughs> that made me laugh yeah. and <laughs> runs into uh runs into the kid's dad walking uh-huh. on the street uh-huh. and uses his lighter and then threatens to beat the shit out of him if he ever lays a hand on the kid again. Because mm-hmm. at this point, Joe, we didn't mention it, but Joe saw the kid, the dad, hit the kid and take his yeah. money. Right. Um, and his the, the woman living with him, whatever you want to call that relationship, told him that he could do more and, and implied that, you know, he needs to do more. Uh, and that probably, probably, it seems to kind of supplement the cycle of uh, our downward spiral that he seems to go into at this point. Well, yeah, because Connie, she is on the younger side. She's like in her 20s, at least the actor was. Um, And she seemingly like wants to do the right thing. She's clearly been around some abuse in her life. And she wants to avoid that. She wants to help this kid. She's trying to nudge Joe to be the the better person, to be a good person. Right. Be kind of a father figure in this moment. Exactly. There's Um, some cute moments, you know, like they, they get Gary different clothes, you know, during that scene when he shows up in the rain and it's like, it's Connie's like sweats and stuff like that. It's, it's cute. Like she seemed cool. And it all seemed genuine. Yeah. Like I, I liked it. I I did like their relationship. She encourages him and says that nobody can, nobody can mess with you. Right. You know, kind of encouraging him to stand up for himself. Like if I, if I I was forced, I had to, I had to hang out with one person from this movie in real life. They had to be my friend. I mean, Connie was the best person in this town. Yes. I mean, basically of everybody we see, she seems to be, the one that's trying to change and fit, break the cycles. Yeah. Um, next, I have Nick Cage Little Spoon because <laughs> he when it shows them spooning in the bed oh, and Nick funny. Cage is a little spoon. And you know what? Men can be the little spoon. And thank God Nick Cage did this in this movie and show that it's okay to be the manliest guy in the room, but then also have have your significant other be your jetpack while you're in bed because listen be the little spoon if you want to be and don't let anybody tell you you can't okay public service message yeah i'm the little spoon all the time 
That's right. And Derek, <laughs> very manly. He he has so much hair that like he could give five other guys testosterone and still have enough to supplement himself for several lifetimes. Um, then there's a scene where he's like at a stoplight and he like looks at a woman and rolls down his window and nothing happens. Yeah. Okay. So was that? I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be Merle or not. I don't know, but it was another one of those weird scenes that didn't seem to serve any purpose. Because we see we see that same woman, I think, again later in the bar at a table. And when we first see Merle, which is really like one of the few, like she's, you know, she's at that brothel and she's wearing, you know, not like daytime type clothes and stuff. And so I'm not sure if that was supposed to be the same woman or not. I don't know. It was a weird scene. It was. So then maybe this part might not be in order because I didn't have a note about this, but I did want to talk about one particular scene, which I think is this is about the right time with the dad uh, sitting outside of a liquor store and um, oh, a black man comes out of the liquor store seemingly having just purchased some liquor and he doesn't move around a lot. He seems to have some sort of uh, either physical or mental disability possibly caused by the alcohol. Um, and so he kind of shuffles away. He seems to be homeless um and he shuffles down by this pond and the dad follows this guy and uh seeing that he has like a brown bag for alcohol and sits down with this guy and you can pretty much tell from the beginning exactly what's going to happen and it's a it's a it's a really well done scene that i would never want to watch again essentially it it was pretty awful but essentially the dad like sits down with this homeless man that just bought a bottle of wine and, and tries to disarm him with conversation essentially. And then picks up a piece of metal from the ground and just bashes his brains in. And like, it's gratuitous. It, it, he was clearly dead after like the first or second hit, but he hits him five or six times um, and then steals the alcohol and anything well, else of and, value. and anything else of value and kisses the guy on the head and walks away and i don't know that this scene needed to be in the movie either uh i mean at this point we know that he's an alcoholic and you know i think this scene kind of led into him meeting up with uh willie willie but i still think that could have worked without the scene again the scene was really well done and it was very impactful I mean, I think that you would agree, Derek. You seemed like the scene really bothered you, and I can understand why. But I mean, I feel like you wouldn't argue that this scene was well done and, and impactful. And the fact that it made you feel a way, uh, oh yeah, yeah, which means it's, that it did what it was supposed to do. It's awful in this, in not the production sense, right? Right. Um, in, in the the emotional experience sense. and being a human sense yeah, yeah which which means that from a technical perspective it was well done yeah um to your point about you know what is it adding to the film like it's it's difficult because you know by the end of the movie you know he's doing stuff that's also just truly truly horrible i don't know that showing him kill a homeless man he was already pretty bad at that point. He's beating his wife. He's beating the kid. He's stealing his money. He's threatening him, pulling a knife on his child. He's right. doing a lot of pretty shitty things. So, I mean, yeah, this didn't really make him seem, I don't know. This actually did. I, I can't say that. This actually did make him seem a little worse because like all oh, those things are pretty bad, but this was like premeditated, cold-blooded. Absolutely. I just, I don't know, like 
Did he need to be worse? Right, because because if you remove this one scene and you keep the rest of the movie, he's still a horrible trash person. Yes. Right? He's already, like, he's still absolutely terrible. This scene is, maybe maybe it's in character, right? I'm not saying it's out of character or anything like that, but I just don't know. Maybe it was so that there wasn't such a gradual ramp up to what, or like such a sharp ramp up to what happens in the end. Because maybe. Because, you know, he does something pretty bad at the end of the movie, but you know, having him go from just like smacking around his kids to what happens at the end of the movie would have been a huge ramp up. But this was a pretty big ramp up too. Well, that's the thing. Like it's because it's also so premeditated. He follows this dude for You can miles. see him thinking about it. Yeah, like he's, yeah. You and know? this guy does not move quickly. He's, no, he's shambling essentially. This is a very long premeditated decision and they sit down at at this little camp spot and they have this whole conversation i mean he could have bailed on that plan a hundred times but he didn't because he knew nobody would be around this is like on the outskirts of town Uh, you know it seemed like the outskirts of town yeah that was a rough scene now it does do one thing that's kind of interesting that maybe this was the whole point when he's trying to get the guy to kind of drop his guard and he's talking about you know the fake story about his wife being in the hospital and things like that. That is the most sober and coherent we see him in the movie. Yeah, that's true. And I wonder if the point is to show that to get alcohol or to get resources that will get him alcohol, he can pull him he can pull his shit together long enough. You know, to But to, I think that have those mental resources that's a fair point but i mean i think you know if you if you know anything about alcoholism or have ever had anybody in your life that's an alcoholic then you know that that's possible right like without necessarily killing somebody but you can tell that people you know there's stories out there every day of mom and dads enabling their children because they the children seem sober you know and seem like they're trying to get better and are manipulating that yeah. maybe the whole point was for us to write him off already before the re- the the other really bad stuff, or to happens. show that he was irredeemable. Maybe yeah, exactly. Because I mean, yeah. like, because earlier on you're like, man, this is just so sad. They're homeless and everything. Like, if he just got the help he needed, you know, he he could turn his life around, kind of thing. And then this happens. You're like, well, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right. And then by the end of the movie, they just double down on that. Pretty much. Yeah. It's right. Rough. So so then I, I maybe after or sometime around this scene, uh, Nick Cage is driving his new truck because he went and bought a new truck. The kid took his old truck. He didn't take any money from the kid for it. He said to save it or whatever. And so I like Nick how Cage, Nick Cage cares about the insurance, but not the lack of a driver's license. Right. Or, you know, drinking and driving <laughs> or any other number of offenses. But you get that insurance. <laughs> That's true. But then so he's driving his truck home. I think it's literally his first drive home where a cop tries to pull him over when in reality it didn't seem like he did anything to deserve that and so he gives other than driving drunk probably although i don't know or if fast like we have point. no idea like what but he mentions the sheriff that this new guy was just trying to like shake him down yeah and so, the sheriff agrees yeah so i mean and there's no charges pressed over this but yeah he gets out of the car and it basically is him recreating the scene that he's talked about where he was going to get shot by the cop because this cop pulls a gun on him when when nick cage starts like walking towards him mm-hmm. and nick knocks the gun out of his hand and like uh you know smacks him around 
and asked him if he's going to shoot him, asked him if he's going to shoot him, and then walks away. It seemed like he was trying to compensate for what happened the previous time mm-hmm. when they were just like discussing whether they were going to kill him or not. He wasn't going to wait for that. Right. And then, yeah, the sheriff shows up at his house and tells him, you know, and talks to him about everything. And, um, yeah. doesn't arrest him, doesn't arrest him. Right. So, yeah. So then at this point, Willie and the dad we, we, have, we do learn that Joe has like kids. Yes. One kid that, that he hasn't seen in a long time, which is interesting. Yeah. And they never really touch on that at any other point during the movie. No. Um, so yeah, during this time, will after the murder, Willie meets up with this, the dad and is like, I think we can help each other. Essentially, it's like forming the the uh, Avengers initiative if they were evil. Uh, like they're trying, like all these threats somehow come together at the end of the movie. Um, and so basically it's a setup for, I, my next note says obvious trap because clearly these two guys are trying to get Joe to sh- and the kid to show up. And they do, of course, show it, up to it, this scene. But what's amazing is it wasn't a trap. Yeah, it ended up not being a trap, but it seemed like <laughs> it an felt, obvious. It trap. sure felt like one, and especially with that scene that was before, where they're like, "We can help each other with with this," and you're assuming that it's the Joe problem, but it's apparently not the Joe problem. It's like trying to solve money issues by selling the daughter, right? So it's like it's not a Joe problem. It's not even really a Gary. It's not even necessarily to get back at Gary. Like that's a side effect, yeah, of what they're doing. But this goes back to why Gary beat up Willie to begin with. Will, you know, Willie's comments about Gary's sister. Yeah. Like this obsession that like for a person, by the way, he's never even seen. Yeah. And some of the implications here are a little weird. Like I, I thought that they were like trying to sell the daughter, but then it seemed like they were basically prostituting the daughter out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was a, not a, again, not a great theme to this movie in this circumstance. Um. There's no gratuitous scenes or anything, luckily, but. And I'm not even see. sure that something happens. Well, you see the guy getting out of the truck that had been closed. Uh, like the truck, back of the truck had been closed up with the daughter in it. And the guy gets out from them, but they all have their clothes on. I don't remember seeing that shot. Okay. I'm pretty sure I saw that shot. I don't know. I thought I'm it was still because Willie goes in first. And I thought Willie was in there when Joe pulls him out maybe i don't know I, I swear i see remember seeing somebody get out of the truck i can't remember if it was willie or who it was but in any case it's implied that they were going to be raping this girl yes. um underage not that that makes it any better but or worse i mean it, it's it's bad the whole thing's way. horrible yes yeah. um so then joe goes on a rampage and starts shooting them all and gets shot himself uh, at the at some point, oh, but while this was going on, and like the alleged or the alleged the uh, raping or whatever happened in that scene happens, the dad has walked away. Well, yeah, because so what happened? So so Joe gets Willie and his friend, who I don't know that we ever learned the dude's name, um, on the ground, like basically on their knees on the ground. Gary gets his sister. They run away for help, and Joe basically goes to this other guy. He doesn't know. He's like, I don't know. You leave. Like, dude, he was still about to do or did do what, what this looks like. So why are you yeah. just letting the dude go? I don't I have no idea. And then letting the guy go ends up being detrimental because he that's he shoots Joe. Yeah. He takes and like 20 shots of Joe and hits one or two. Twice. Yeah. He gets yeah. Joe twice. Joe kills that guy. 
And then Willie makes another that same comment about yeah, going shot to the, the face again, and, and he doesn't right even get to face. finish it. Yeah, about not giving a fuck. Yeah, like right before he says that I don't give a fuck, he gets shot in the face. Mm. Um. So yeah, then uh, Joe goes over to the bridge where the dad went and was sitting or was waiting while all this was going on. His daughter being raped while while uh, the dad was getting paid for it. And uh, the dad commits suicide. Well, because at first it seems like, so Joe's going to kill him. Yeah. Joe's in bad shape. He's limping really bad. But he's going to make this happen one way or another. And he's out of ammo. Yeah. And so I thought it was going to be a fist fight between Joe and this old dude, but it ends up, yeah, just climbing up on the bridge and jumping off. And and, and uh, yeah, the, the dad's name is Wade. Wade makes that, he's made this comment a couple of times throughout the movie that, are you my friend? Yeah. And I don't really get it in this moment because I'm not sure what, like, what was it supposed to mean? Yeah, I don't really understand it either. So um, but he that... does make that comment a few times. And I thought it was a little weird during the movie, but I, I, I didn't know if it was just like a tick of some kind. Like when he gets nervous around somebody he doesn't know, he says this. Maybe. Um, so yeah, he jumps off the bridge. You know, you're, it's implied that he kills himself. And then uh, Joe, like, sits down on the bridge and dies because that's how like 60% of the Nick Cage movies that we've watched have ended. Um, <laughs> to be fair, he dies like as Gary shows up because yeah. Gary went and got the cops. So all the cops in town, I guess, which is like three cars worth show up with the sheriff, Gary and his sister are still there, which is wild. Why would you bring the kids? Yeah. Who back to this? just had to go through this traumatic. Well, like, I mean, I can understand Gary a little bit because he's like the, I guess he's, a, he's but, essentially the makeshift dad in the But Dorothy's like complete, not only innocent, she's probably traumatized. Victim, right? And like, yeah. Is there no doctor or like nowhere? But to be can... fair, she was probably in shock this whole time. Like, you know, I still I, don't think that bringing victim... her back to the active scene of the crime. Absolutely not. But I mean, like at a certain point when shock is going on, you know, she's probably not going to remember a lot of that anyway, or she's going to remember every, every detail, like one of the two. I feel like there was a better person to leave her with. I agree. I agree. So then (laughs) this is basically the end of the movie, but uh, yeah, Nick Cage dies again, which again, if you've watched all or listened to all our episodes, there's been, I don't know how many, at least like four, maybe five that we've watched where he ends up being dead at the end. He's died in a lot of movies. Which yeah, but we've only watched or we've only reviewed eleven of them at this point, right? Or twelve? Yeah, this is a lot. This is this is. And 12. I'm pretty I'm sure it's got to be a, at least a third, probably closer to half of those movies. He's been dead at the end. In I'll be curious if that's the thing that keeps going, or if we just had this weird, like, streak of movies where that happens. That's interesting. But uh, I thought it was funny that Gary took his new truck. Yep. And not the old truck that he nope. was given uh the, the thing probably hadn't even had the title transferred or anything like they that just yet. Stole a so truck. He just took it yeah yeah and so then it shows him gary being him going to a new job where now instead of killing trees he's planting trees right it's basically the opposite of where the movie began. but they go through the same thing like the guy that he's working mm-hmm. for who you never see the face of really is giving them the same same spiel about how you get a full day's pay if you work so it's kind of implied that it's the same I feel like there's got to be an umbrella and uh, underneath that umbrella, Joe and this other guy were working, but they were doing opposite things like in the fields that they had, the lumberjacks had cleared out. They were coming in and planting these fresh trees. 
Hmm. Um, and so, you know, I felt like it was, I don't know, it's not really explained, but I, it, for me, it felt like it was the same property. And it was like the other, the flip side of that coin of the property. Like they're clearing out all these trees and then they're burning the land and then they're starting fresh and planting trees, the trees that they want there. Um, like you would for some kind of a farm or something like that. Right. Um, but it's yeah, very, there's it's obviously very, cir- very circle of life. Yes. And very, I mean, it's, it's probably the most heavy handed symbolism of the movie. Um, you know, that the kid goes from being this negative position and killing trees to being in a positive position, mm-hmm. you know, it's not really positive, but like a bright potential future ahead of him. Right. And now he's planting trees. So a little on the nose, but it was, it was fine. Um, but yeah, that, that's how the movie ends. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I thought this movie was pretty good. I actually think this is going to be our first movie that's on the not the the low caginess, high quality side. And I thought Pig might be the only one on that side, but I'm happy seeing this has given me hope that we'll have more that are on that side. <laughs> but I guess that's where we're going to get to is a rating rating this movie and seeing where it falls on that scale. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, right. I would say, caginess very little. Maybe you'll agree. We'll see no, in a yeah, second. I, I, I think I do. Um, so yeah, so then let's do this. So what we do now, we've discussed the movie. We've just discussed it to death. And uh, now we're going to rate the movie. So we got two scales. We got quality. Is it a good movie? Is it a bad movie? 20 point scale, 20 being amazing, zero being the worst thing ever. And then we have a caginess scale. Same thing. 20 points is the cagiest movie imaginable zero is zero cage. Okay. And we do both of these scales. So we always start with the overall quality and I want Ryan, I want you to go first on this one because of course, well, I, I think I'm going to disappoint you a little bit. I just, I, wow. want, okay. so I want you to get yours out there. So, I mean, this isn't the best movie that we've watched, you know, I think like leaving Las Vegas was probably better moonstruck was probably better unbearable weight of massive talent was probably better for different reasons um but i thought it was not far below uh leaving las vegas interesting so i'm gonna put it at like a 14 a 14 okay. what did i give leaving las vegas do you have that handy you gave you gave leaving las vegas a 17 okay yeah i think 14 somewhere between 14 and 15 is about right i'll, I'll okay. stick with 14 okay well you, for perspective you gave mandy a 15 okay yeah this this is i'm fine with that place okay 14 yeah. okay so you're gonna give it a 14 so we're not like super far off no i mean i think uh it, it's some of it you know i'm trying to be objective but some of it is i just enjoyed mandy more um mm-hmm. this was not an enjoyable movie and you know i'm not holding that against it but it is tough to rate it higher for me when it's like that well, sure. So like I was looking at it could happen to you, for example, yeah. um, when I was thinking about my number and because I was thinking about giving this a 12, but that's what I gave. It could happen to you. And I'm thinking and this is well, a better movie, I think. I, th- I think I think from a technical perspective, it is, but I'd rather watch it could happen. Oh, to you. Right? I, I am 100 percent in agreement. Yeah. So I think I have to give this a 13 then. OK, so we're pretty close. Yeah, we're pretty close. I think I just, you know, I think it deserves an edge over It Could Happen to You. But yeah, I'd rather watch It Could Happen to You. So. Sure. But I mean, I'd rather watch It Could Happen to You than Leaving Las Vegas. Also, yeah. And Leaving Las Vegas was a much superior movie. I think Very Leaving good. Las Vegas, the difference for me was that it had a higher caginess. Mm-hmm. And that gives some levity, despite the depressing circumstances of the movie. Yeah. 
So, you know, that is probably why I rated that one higher. Well, this one also, probably could be a little higher, but I, I don't know. It, it For me, it just was not quite as good as Leaving Las Vegas. Well, it's got a really great love story, too, and some other things. So, but yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk caginess then. So I'm with you. Like, there, I don't, there's like nothing in here. Yeah. M- maybe the altercation with the one cop. There's a little bit, maybe. But like, I'm really tempted to give this like a one. Honestly, that's around where I was with it anyway. So I don't think that's that crazy. So it's like, very low caginess. I mean, it, th- that's one of the things if you go and look at some of like the IMDb and like Rotten Tomatoes reviews of this movie, it says that uh, it's interesting trying to watch Cage be like held back to a character that is not held back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and, and I think that, that that's a good point. And that's why the low caginess, because he was trying to like re- play a restrained character that was losing restraint exactly. without going into like the realm that he'd been in before. Mm-hmm. So then, okay. So I, if I give it a one, what are you going to give it? Yeah, I'll give it a one too. I, okay. I, I can't think of a single scene. And even that scene with the cop that you mentioned wasn't really that cagey. I mean, no, that's why like, I'm not, I don't, that's why like, that's what gives it the one and not a zero. Right. You know, um, so then I think I think you're right here. So if I plug in our numbers, I think it will end up being the first, like you said, the first movie to be in out of our little line of movies. Because we have, if you've looked at our graph, we have a line. Well, I mean, it's it's a line made by all of our different little plots of the mo- where the movies lie on the scale, and the line goes basically straight across from low caginess to lo- and low quality to high caginess and high quality, and it's almost a straight line. Mm-hmm. And this one will make it more of like a not an X, but like a Y, a backwards Y, it's, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is one movie that's technically in this quadrant, and I'm trying to figure look at. Uh, the map I'm looking at doesn't have the labels and the dots. So I'm trying to quickly figure out which one it is here. Gotcha. Is it rage? No, no rage was terrible. Uh... <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was real bad. That's not an exaggeration. But we'll, we'll, we'll post our cage meter so you can get a really good look at, at where that is, but there is one. Other oh, it's, it could happen to you. Is it, it could happen to you? Okay. Yeah. It's just barely crossing a line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a fun one. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And the family man is literally on the line. Family man is on the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there you go. So that's our rating for Joe, a 13 and a half out of 20 on quality and a one on caginess, which puts this as like a pretty good movie where we have a very reserved controlled Nick cage. Um, Now we do have to figure out we, that Joe is no longer on the wheel. cage. So let's find out what movie is going to be joining the wheel o cage and that is the cotton club which i've i have no idea what no and hopefully it's less depressing um so we'll we'll have to look into that one but we will be spinning the wheel o cage to find out which movie we will be talking about next so make sure you go to comingofcage.com or follow us at coming of cage on twitter to see what it is that we're going to be talking about next ryan any final thoughts on joe uh you're probably better off not watching it if you didn't watch it before this podcast it's fine i mean it, it it's a good movie but just you know there's for most people there's probably no reason to watch it it's just going to make you depressed yeah i would agree with that as well all right well if you disagree let us know you can reach out to us like i said and we thank you so much for joining us on the coming of cage podcast we'll be back in 
two weeks. Thanks for listening.